A popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues, as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Well, hi, Steve. It's, um, it's a real great pleasure to have you on the Mastercast and uh, really looking forward to learning more about your, your project. Thank you, Phil. Glad to be here. I think we're going to be talking about some interesting topics from Machiavelli to sorting out cultural differences between Asia and, uh, and Europe and so on and so forth. But I think before we get into the topic of your master's project, it would be great for the listeners to learn a little bit more about who Steve Gaskell is. Thank you for that, Phil. Well, if, if I start with the career, um, I've always had uh, a passion to be a buyer. Um, so I started my career um, as a graduate trainee for Debenhams on their buying scheme. Um, had a lot of fun there before moving to Dixon's, Toys R Us and Carphone Warehouse all over a 12-year period. Um, senior buyer and commercial roles. Uh, and my last role with uh, Carphone Warehouse uh, was a European commercial director role. And ultimately, one of the highlights there was introducing from scratch um, a Far East direct sourcing model. Uh, and that's everything from understanding the factory, the components, the freight, the packaging, finance that was required. So I really felt like I'd learned my buying trade and was ready for a new challenge. So I moved into sales, where I've spent the last 15 years exec selling, um, three years for Motorola, uh, and various sales director and general manager roles. And I had the last 12 years at Sony. Um, Sony, I spent the first couple of years working in Munich, head of sales for Europe and for consumer electronics, specializing with my buying knowledge in distribution and retail for those big customers. And then after four years of being at Sony, I went on to their leadership program where I studied for a, a master's in sales transformation. That was facilitated by Consalia and Middlesex University. And when I finished that course, ultimately I was promoted and was given the uh, opportunity to manage and develop Amazon EU. Uh, and I was also given the digital platform to develop Sony's uh, online 
uh, performance and, uh, and the e-commerce business. And now the last six months, I've been working for Consalia, where I've had the opportunity to build the e-learning and online platform, support the selling and sales funnel activity, and doing course delivery. So actually meeting students, students that I used to be, uh, and teaching around and, and learning around the master's program and giving that knowledge that I've learned uh, over the last few years uh, and sharing that with the students, which is just an amazing opportunity, which I'm super enjoying. So thank you again for putting me on the show today. Well, it's a really interesting background. I mean, we, we obviously don't have, you know, that many people who've started off on the buy side who's moved into sales, but with yourself and Hillary, actually, you've both had similar backgrounds in that, in, in that sense. And, um, I think that um, that perspective in terms of your business career, just uh, from the seller's side, actually sort of adds a huge um, amount of credibility. The fact you've been on the buy side as well as on the sales side. Uh, and of course, moving into online, uh, you know, which is where the digital future is going. So I think you've had some extraordinary roles, you know, in, in your career and Really looking forward to hearing perhaps a little bit more about it, but more specifically around sure. you know the, the the particular project you had in mind when you started. I must admit, Steve, when I I think you you go down in Consalia and the sort of folklore of Consalia as as you know us remembering your reaction to the masters on that very first module. I don't know if you can. Yeah, let, let, let me give you some background on that. So, yeah, I mean, when I, when I look at the Masters, I mean, as I mentioned, I've, I've been working for Sony for four years. Um, I've been heading up their distribution and retail teams, basically had European sales director roles. And just at the same timing as the Masters, I was given global role for distribution and retail and reporting into Japanese executives directly. So as you can imagine, I had a vast workload, lots of global travel, especially to Tokyo, going monthly, very busy, as we all are. And then the opportunity was presented to me to join the master's program, uh, and I jumped at the chance. Uh, I remember immediately saying yes to the team, um, and I was told, you know, just, just think about it for 24 hours. It's a big commitment. So I went home, and I talked to my wife, and she was also super supportive and saying, you know, you you must do this and go, 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 go for it. And you look at it and you think, you know, well, why? You know, well, ultimately, I say you're spending your career working flat out, working a million miles an hour. You become very good at your job, very specialist at your job. I could almost define it as a fine-tuned machine. Um, but naturally, you're working for a decade or a couple of decades with minimum intervention. I've had training courses, leadership courses, negotiation courses, but never the opportunity to have a sustained period of training and reflection. So I jumped at the chance to do the master's program. But as I said, where you know, my first day on the master's, I actually had a business review with Tokyo at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, so you can imagine I was rabbit in the headlights of walking into what I felt was a, an alien environment, but I had all the, you know, the right intentions that I just needed to get into a rhythm. Uh, and I think after module one or module two, I started to get, you know, find how I could absorb the workload, get into that work-based learning rhythm. 
uh, and settle down. Yeah, so so as I say, as, as you say in folklore consolidated history, what module one for Steve was, you know, was quite an onboarding process. And and I look back and I'm super appreciating everyone who who had patience to get me in the right headspace. No, I I think what we remember is you you sort of asking us, well, tell me exactly what what to do. You know, sort of break it down into how much time do I need to spend on this and that, and uh, and I think it, 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 you know, when we came back to you and we say, well, it's up to you, Steve. You know, um, you know, you are the centre of your inquiry here. Yeah. You know, this is this is. Uh, I think the masters is always something sort of slightly different. You know, the the way in which it's taught, the way in which people put their projects together, slightly different, perhaps, to conventional undergraduate degree programs for example um but no we we um you know it, it was amazing to see how how you responded to it and actually i think um i think it, you know the subjects that we'll talk about with your masters um was absolutely fascinating and to see how you set the context of your topic um within the context of the world you've just described sort of new leadership new challenges that the organization and you were facing and and exploring leadership uh, through um, very particular lenses. But uh, rather than me talk about it, I think it's probably best for you to, you know, perhaps you could share with us the the title of your master's project. Let's start with the title. Yeah, I mean, I mean the title, I mean, it's Navigating Leadership Within Sony Mobile to Create a Global Distribution and Retail Business Unit. I mean, naturally, this is, you know, a significant part of the master's program. So I, I wanted to always keep, keep it a little bit flexibility in its title. You know, if you're going to focus on my attitude was have a win-win, you know, a win for Sony. So keep the title something that's, you know, going to be core for Sony's uh, ROIs. Uh, and investment, but also the same for a win for Steve in terms of, you know, career development. So navigating leadership gives me the opportunity to research around leadership, to develop my own skills. And as I say, developing, you know, the focus of why the business unit should transition. I say, if I look back and again, be reflective on, on what I've done, maybe I'd have included a word around transition as well. But it gave me the opportunity to deep dive into the business unit. And what I love about the Masters is, as I said, you, you're working so incredibly hard in, in these sort of all this volume and traffic coming through the sales director as, you know, the master of ceremonies within your business unit without having a learning platform that actually intervenes and gives you a chance to reflect and position the scale of what you're working how else do you get to change? And, and intervention is obviously bringing knowledge, bringing new ideas. And again, we were so fortunate on our master's program that it, it, it was an international program. So usually, you know, you can imagine on these courses when you're, you know, with your peers, you learn from everyone. But again, I was humbled to be on a course with South American team, all of, you know, different European countries were there. So when you're recapping, reflecting, everyone's got, you know, fantastic and different ideas and contributions. So it's great to come to the table and, you know, they help your projects, they help your development, they help your thought process on how you want to plan your business. And as I said, that was key to me because I, I really felt that 
Sony Wars, were, I mean, I was very much focused on the mobile part of the business. Traditionally, we've been focusing on the network operators. They're incredibly important. The Vodafones, the EEs, the O2s in terms of how Sony manufactures their phones to support the networks. But ultimately, my business was with distribution and retail, and that was starting to grow. Um, and we can talk more about it later, but ultimately, the growing part of the non uh, network business was also starting to develop the online business, which again is a different form of selling as well that I was able to navigate and lead. And with the collaboration of this project, ultimately start to put seeds in the heads that the business needed to change and distribution and retail needed to grow. Yeah, it's <laughs> when I read your master's project, I realized, you know, sort of quite how significant a project it was that you were working on. Uh, but I think the, the choice of words you have in the title, you know, navigating leadership, the word navigating is important. It's as if you are um, charting a course, I suppose, you know, within the context of Sony Mobile, as you say, a, you know, a Japanese headquartered organization, um, but also with this creation of this uh, if you like a new division you know within within sony um and and uh, it, it's very interesting to see how important you know that was to sony at the time so um so um we've talked about the title and um i think you've talked about why this was a title that you kind of arrived at um but it would be interesting to kind of learn a bit more about, you know, how did you start to kind of research the topic? You know, what, what influenced you as you went on your, 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 your journey? And, you know, how did you, you know, conduct the research that went into, uh, went into the project that you had? So. Yeah. And that, yeah, and just, say, yeah. Yeah. There, there are two elements to that. Um, I mean, to say the leadership element. So that meant I was going on a journey of, core reading uh, regarding leadership skills and how I can take my business unit, myself, my team on a journey. Uh, and again, if I, I look back at, at the, the start of a master's, I mean, the first thing you notice is the core reading list. Uh, I mean, usually I read one lighthearted book per year uh, on the holiday, Max Relax, and now you're reading, I don't know, in the two-year program, I probably got through 10 or 12 um, core reading academic and strategic books. Um, and, and I know within my master's project, I actually included the quote from Harry Truman, a, a former US president, that not all readers are leaders, but leaders are readers. And again, this was sort of inspiring me for those golden nuggets of how I can be a change catalyst within the environment and the first process for me, and this was all part of the modules and the master training is looking at doing the research on the book. So challenger sale, for example, allowed me to reflect on the qualities and skill sets of being a sales lead. You know, what type of category do you fit, fit in as a sales leader? How do you need to operate as a sales leader? So they, this, they started to, as I say, I've got many golden nuggets that are started putting together in terms of how I need to operate to make things happen, which was that that was key in in building my business unit. Then you've got the qualitative data 
uh, and the quantitative data. Quantitative was with you know external measures regarding uh, GFK uh, data and strategy analytics, showing the market movements and shifts, um, category planning, cracking the code, mapping out channels, and ultimately showing that there is a clear shift and data shift of investments that's needed within distribution and retail. And then the qualitative data became very important as well. So we, you know, ultimately I said a list of, you know, let's say about three internal senior, very senior stakeholders within Sony, three external senior stakeholders within the customer base. And obviously you're then not just canvassing their opinion, you're gaining respect, you're gaining trust, you're developing your relationships, and you're putting together that business case that supports the data to say all of these quotes that I were getting internally and externally were showing more, you know, that not only is the revenue and the volumes all and profitability moving towards distribution and retail, but also the investments are underinvested, and this is where we need to go. And this really sparked internal conversations between the Japanese senior management of, you know, what what's the right uh, business unit now to take advantage of this? How do we develop this catalyst uh, within Sony on distribution and retail? How do we set up, you know, usually it's a, it's a matrix development. Do we have solid line, dotted lines reporting in centrally? Um, so there was a big mobilization um, uh, look at how we operate and I suppose, you know, when I look at books again, in terms of that were triggering these sort of brainwaves, as it were, and I call them golden nuggets, something like the art of war. Uh, when you're looking at, you know, what best describes the position of how, you know, you put, put your army, where to win the battle, where to win the battle without even fighting, which is the best way to do things, and how to mobilize the team and, and change the team and look at succession planning or you know how we look at our customer engagement, or let's relook at our customer mapping, and then set up the organisational chart accordingly. Yeah, if you are very interested in the choice of books that kind of inspired you along the way, and um, I know that Machiavelli was one of the books that you enjoyed reading. Um, yeah, talk me through what it was that you learned from. From reading uh, Machiavelli, what, why, why did you, um, yeah, why did you want to read the book, and and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I mean, I mean certainly, again, I, I had a, a, a passion to test myself, to challenge. You know, you're on the course, so I was very keen to just make sure I had a breadth of reading. That breadth of reading became, you know, uh, from the classics um, to more biography-led in terms of leaders, you can say, like Steve Jobs, et cetera, you know, that, those sort of more traditional books. But So I wanted to make sure I had a good breadth of books that I was reading. Um, Machiavelli's obviously a classic. I think I actually probably read the book twice in terms of The Prince. And again, it, it really influenced me in terms of never came across my radar before, of Steve, what's your brand? You know, how does the prince create himself? What does the prince need to do? You know, you hear about these Machiavelli plots and, and you know, what politics need to happen. Well, Steve, how do you become a brand? And again, this brand I associate to being a catalyst and a change agent within the business. How is your brand within Sony? And that was my connection with Machiavelli. And I say that that was a huge moment for me in terms of what... <laughs> 
how how do people perceive me internally? How do people perceive me externally? What is brand Gaskell? How do I, you know, make sure I'm in a position to support Sony moving forward? And ultimately, again, both The Art of War and Machiavelli are, you know, huge collaboration type books in terms of how they storytell. And and again, the art of leadership is again, you know, influencing collaboration and taking people on that journey. And I think that was key as a sales director. You just become very almost siloed, if you're being honest. You know, you work super fast. You're very focused on numbers and bonus, uh, and you're very good at your job. But ultimately, you know, I remember at the beginning of uh, the Masters when I was being introduced with all our peers within the Sony group, they say, hey, here, it's Steve, you know, he, he's the gladiator. And I'd give a little bit of a wry smile, you know, a module one at the beginning, thinking, well, that, that's not bad to be referred to as the gladiator. They must mean I'm, you know, closing deals and fighting and winning and this sort of storytelling. I think I think the Russell Crowe movie wasn't far behind or still in that sort of uh, people were watching a lot, the gladiator. But then I look back and I think that that was so niche. It's exactly why I was on the Masters to not become that sales director guy. I wanted the breadth. I wanted strategy. How did I onboard that, you know, I call it intervention and knowledge and that luxury opportunity in my career path to be on a Masters and think, right, something like Machiavelli's really inspiring me now. Develop your brand, think strategic, think how you can influence and collaborate the bigger audience. I know we call it a lot the ripple effect and really get into organizations that you don't usually talk to. Um, my, my career has constantly been about, you know, need to know, super busy, talk to the sales teams, talk to finance to make sure we're on track and delivering profit and how that measures versus your bonus because you're a super hungry, focused sales guy. Uh, and then you talk to legal as well, just make sure you're on the right path. And certainly on the digital journey, legal super important. But that that is obviously... A, you know, a significant part of an organization, but not the whole part. You know, how are you learning and doing and working with HR? How are you learning and doing and working with business operations? How are you learning and doing with marketing? So I then again went on various journeys within Sony, improving my reach, you know, getting to know different stakeholders. And and they were difficult conversations, you know, that they, they were also siloed. They also didn't get why is there a need to have this fluid conversation. Um, but I was very keen to just look, try. You're not going to win all these battles. You're going to have conversations internally. Some are, some you can work with, some you can nurture, some hopefully you can accelerate a bit quicker. And again, that was a real moment of thinking to me of, you know, the art of war, Machiavelli, think about your brand, think about mobilizing, think about collaborating, uh, and think about how you develop the business not just your business unit. So I think the other challenge you had um, is the fact that you were um, doing all this within the context of a very dispersed team. You know, you, I guess you had to reach out to people across all parts of the globe, uh, very much with different cultural backgrounds. And I can see that, you know, from some of the books that you've chosen to read, you know, you've chosen books that also looked at um, there's one here, sort of getting everyone on board, the role of inspirational leadership in geographically dispersed teams. I know that was written a while ago, but it was obviously something that was also on your mind, you know, how to work within a very culturally and geographically di uh, diverse organization. 
Yeah, and, and from that research, I mean, I mean, and again, I'd also add to that research the other book, you know, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know, yeah. a, 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 there's a lasering of what you need to do to cut through in a, you know, a huge geography. You know, global is global and, and how you, you know, create the right focus points and be, you know, very ruthless in, in you know, getting that done. That, that's the first point. But again, in, in the books you refer to, you know, it's about um, collaborating at the beginning. You know, again, lots of us start at the end and we present to global and say, this is what we've done. And there's no collaboration with the local teams. There's no collaboration with the global teams. It's you work in isolation. You're doing it for the right reasons. Um, but ultimately, you haven't got buy-in. And that that's, again, on how I improved my toolkit and my go-to-market thought process was, you know, let's let's get buy-in. And, and again, probably I had two elements of that. Work closely with the UK team, who I didn't know. They sat on completely different floors as I was global and they were UK. So obviously I could arrange some easy local UK teams, get some of the biggest countries on board, uh, get their thought process and buy-in. So when the first conversation is with Global on, you know, as an acid test, well, the UK or the big markets won't like this. You can say, no, it, you know, we, we've had some understanding and initial sound bites with, with certain stakeholders and then present that to, um, you know, the Global teams as well at the start point and build together was was clearly key. And I think stakeholder management as well in terms of a mapping process, better preparation and planning, you know, all of these things when you talk about it and look back are obvious. But again, when you work super fast, you get into good habits and bad habits over, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, or in my case, it was 20 years. Um, you need to, again, intervene in how you're working, get a different reflective view and think, how can I position myself differently to global? What, you know, position myself in the shoes of what they need, what they want, what are their barriers? I could then even, Phil, talk about the, um, you know, another big breakthrough is obviously, and a lot of students we find on this is, is the um, third box thinking. You know, you start positioning yourself and thinking less about you, less about Sony, less about, you know, your brand and more about the customer. And this just becomes a regular part of your thought process. What does the end customer want? Um, and that customer can be external, or in this case, could be internal. Um, and if I elaborate even more on, on looking at things like third box thinking, you know, for me, Sony delivers into a distributor that then delivers into a retailer, that then delivers into a consumer, uh, and I work with these models in the masters and, and refined it into a fourth box thinking, which is also in my dissertation in terms of, again, how I elevate distribution, how I grow distribution as part of a global model, which is clearly then looking at the relationship, not between Sony and distribution, but between the retailer who we're not supplying to and the customer and not losing sight that the customer will want added value They'll want promotional activity. They'll need visibility to cut through in busy supermarkets or wherever it may be. And that is the thought process of how you go to the table, not start the conversation with a commercial conversation that puts you on the back foot already. 
So all of these new insights you bring to the table that, again, start to influence global stakeholders, improve your credibility and start making, you know, with credibility becomes traction and, and trust and move forward. So um, just to give us a sense of the sort of scale of project, when you first embarked on this project, um, how, how much business was coming through sort of distribution and retail at the time? Yeah, I'd say the, the distribution and retail came in at about 15% of the mix. Okay. Uh, and we were um, definitely, the, you know, everything's about timing. And certainly the beauty of the Masters for me was seeing that, you know, there was a real opportunity, as I say, for a, a, a sea change within operator business and doing more with the distribution and retail business. The retail business is also another chunk. Um, so to get this sort of, you know, double digit growth per annum, um, was, you know, the, the, the opportunity was there. It's just a case of whether you grab that market share or your competitor. But the momentum was there on what the consumer wants. More more consumers were starting to buy SIM-free devices. Um, you know, more retail outlets were becoming comfortable at selling SIM-free devices. So we were in that flux of change, which was great timing. But then we also had this other positioning that online was also coming into play. Because remember, this was... 2014 to 2016 and what's interesting for me on the masters is when i think back is you know you, you don't just start using your new knowledge and your new intervention of skills at the end you know it's not like okay i took the masters 2014 to 2016 right 2017 go you know and you can start doing all these yeah. good extra stuff actually you're delivering and starting to improve nurture grow from the moment it starts, so from 2014 onwards, what Consalia and Middlesex were seeing was the same as you know Sony was seeing. Sieve was becoming more strategic, more relaxed, less about you know getting the deals away, more internal, more collaborating. And as I said, you build your brand, you build credibility, so the respect in the organisation is starting to get noticed. That's brilliant. And by the time you left, I think the the global um, distribution business was quite a significant part, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, the whole business for us doubled. So we, we were getting to about a 30% mix of the whole business. Wow. Um, yeah. But I think what it did, again, in terms of the master's journey for me, literally what, what I, there were two work streams. One was delivering on the dissertation, which was great. And then the other was the work-based learning element of actually executing internally at Sony. And because of all the changes to my leadership style of taking more risk, you know, having a vision, collaborating with teams, I also saw the opportunity that I wouldn't have seen working at a million miles an hour and traveling everywhere and not having time to reflect to make a play for the online business and put a business case together at the same time as doing the masters to say, A, I need to resource up I, you know, I was only a team of one when I was doing these global sales director roles. You know, they're all, you know, incredibly tiny teams working directly for the Japanese executives. You have a lot of cut through because you report to the Japanese executives and you have a lot of workload because you're on your own. In finishing the masters, I effectively was given one of the heavyweight to come in as a direct report, which was brilliant and a, and a show of strength to what we've done. And then an immediate promotion 
to then set up a new team off the back of that to include online. And as I mentioned in my intro, this is now taking Amazon EU, which was a very tiny acorn within Sony's mix, 1%, and taking that on a 10% journey in-house within the space of 12 months. So that all that risk-taking knowledge and, you know, let's say tactful audacity of working internally with stakeholders um, brought together the online business for me. And then within the space of 12 months of leaving the masters, I had a team of five senior direct reports running distribution, retail, online for Amazon and online for e-commerce. So it, it, it was a real great moment of everything coming together at the right time. But ultimately, I had to have the breadth of knowledge to have the maturity to be given that team. And that came from the masters for sure. Yeah. So you've learned a lot about yourself, I'm sure, as you went on this journey. You know, what for, what for you were some of the, the key sort of learning points that you got out of um, everything you did? Yeah, I mean, I say the, the um, you know, definitely the risk taking was an element for me. And risk taking, I suppose, is, is ultimately, you know, you've got to make change. As I say, I, I could have just carried on in a sales director, global sales director role. It, it was a great role. But ultimately, I had to take some risk. And, and what did risk mean? Risk mean, meant I needed knowledge. Risk meant I needed intervention. Uh, and risk meant I needed to be comfortable going on an, a new journey. You know, it, it was a real epic moment to go on a master's. And, and I quote the CEO of General Electric said, success is all about growing yourself. Uh, when you become a leader, success is all about growing others. Uh, and that's what I'm really got a, you know, a buzz out of now is how you work within an environment and how you collaborate. As I said, I think probably again with my procurement background, I've been very tough within a, a sales organization. You need to have a certain level of resilience, but I was using the no word too much for my own advantage. I need to open up a little bit more. Um, so my style needed shaping to take on the future, as it were, or take me on my crossroads in terms of my career, elevate me to the next position, you know, give me my new um, hunger and passion, which, as I said, has become leadership and developing people. And now, as I say, I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm in a brilliant place with Consalia to give all that development on people you know, back. How can I share that knowledge? How can I share all those golden nuggets uh, you know, and how can we see people progress within the L and D space? So, um, coming back to this topic of sort of key, key sort of, you know, when you when you start to look at leadership style in the context of of the work that you did, and you were to compare the Steve Gaskell at the end of your journey compared to the beginning, you know, what what do you think people would have noticed as a consequence of the journey that you've been on? What would your stakeholders have noticed, do you think? Yeah. Uh, what might your direct reports have noticed? I mean, I, I work in, have been working in a very tight, well-oiled machine in terms of my team and the stakeholders I need around me to execute on sales deals, you know, and, and that's what I thrived on. Now, 
the foot's come off the pedal in terms of that sort of silo approach. And there's a breadth of leadership to be inclusive, collaborate, ripple knowledge across the business in terms of change, take people on a journey. And so I think my team absolutely got that. You know, Steve has changed. We can see that on our performance reviews, his coaching style. You know, he's there to, you know, matrix are important, but people are more important, let's say. Um, and I think, again, you know, vision, vision for me, you know, naturally you talk about that in terms of leadership and that's great, but ultimately have a vision for your business unit. I mean, I wouldn't have had that before the masters, uh, you know, now I'm always thinking about what can the catch phrase be for the vision, you know, for, for my brand in terms of what, what we're trying to achieve. I would encourage my team to have a vision and, you know, you're just encouraging people to have some fun, you know, get the fun and passion into their learning, into their work, because then, you know, they're going to deliver. And, that, and that's, you know, essentially what we're trying to do, unlock the talent in people. So, you know, you've turned from or developed from the sort of gladiator role that you described at the very beginning. And what I'm hearing a lot is about collaboration and um it all forms that it can take i guess and with different stakeholders um but i can also see there's a, a lot of what you did was uh, building the business case you know like you said you you've used certain tools like third box thinking to come up with sort of defining what might be the value proposition that you could then sell in uh, but it must have been you know quite a big ask of sony you know, to make the investments that you believe were required in order to, to, to get into the market, you know, the, the global distribution market. Um, how, how easy was it to sell to the Japanese? Yeah, I mean, naturally it's difficult. I mean, any, you know, executive team is always, you know, very clear on detail that's required, P&L that's required. I mean, that's another maturity and growing on the masters that you get a much better familiarization on how to position and talk about the P&L uh, and coming forward with clear business case, which I got the impression that, again, was my competitive edge, let's say, internally, I had more in my toolkit that I could bring to the table. I was showing P&L. And then, you know, that's effectively the first thing I did when I came into the e-commerce business was bring a way of um, uh, P&L rather than, the, you know, a brand-led uh, website, which clearly it still is. You want your website to advertise all your, you know, your, your products and, and your brands in, in a, an appropriate blueprint way. But ultimately, I brought in that, well, that, that's correct, but we need to make money. And the focus of how to produce a transparent P&L when, you know, behind the scenes, it's quite complicated how all the different facets of freight or agencies and assets and delivery charges, you know, all, all of this comes together and you need to make it transparent P&L. That, that knowledge to bring that to um, the forefront of the Japanese and again, create my credibility was ultimately what I was able to do. And, and I believe, you know, 
every CEO will look at their business and their direct reports. They'll all look at opportunities. They'll all look at, do we believe in these opportunities from each of the stakeholders we have? And if someone's come to the table with a clear business case, a transparent P&L, a clear vision, and clearly motivating people within the environment, not just within his business unit, but also surrounding then this gate guy is capable of doing a lot more. And, and that, that's ultimately what I believe I delivered. Yes, it sounds like it was quite a sort of an entrepreneurial mindset that you also had in terms of being able to see an opportunity, <clears throat> develop that idea into a business case. And would you, would you say that's true? Um, that, you know, they encouraged you to think as, a, as an entrepreneur within a business? Yeah, um, I, th I think you do, you know, um, I mean, I think the business relates to, you know, what, what speciality you're in. I was in technology, I was in mobile, it's incredibly fast moving, you have to be entrepreneurial to survive. So this type of dynamic was always there. The timing is everything, as we know. So the opportunity to then, as I say, have the time to reflect with, you know, real quality that actually online's where it's going. No one seems to be getting this. I want to position this quickly. This can be associated to my business unit rather than be standalone, rather than going to someone else. There were other stakeholders already managing online within the Sony business. Um, so as I say, I had to compete with them. It's a case of which leader do you want for this business and how do you want to position it? If you're always being you know, proactively creative, internally with how you position yourself, your team and your organization, then naturally you're going to give yourself a, a good chance in the shop window uh, to move forward. As I said, depending on what the other business priorities are or what everyone else is trying to put forward in their, you know, budget objectives, et cetera. Steve, I have to say, I do see you as perfect embodiment of the, um, the winning mindsets that we talk about, you know, in terms of proactive creativity and tactful audacity you know, client centricity with your third box thinking and of course, authenticity. It's, uh, you know, the journey, the personal journey that you've been on um, as you've, as you've uh, navigated your way, not just through leadership, but also through the opportunities and the challenges you face has been, yeah, quite, uh, quite an amazing story. Yeah, it's been a significant change. And as we, you know, we've witnessed, I've noticed the old Steve, let's say in 2014, as I started, and, and I was, you know, still in my mid 40s then. Um, so the, the new Steve, in terms of being, you know, open, you know, glass half full, you know, can do more. You know, I get excited when people say I can't do or, you know, that's not possible because I just think, yes, it can. You know, let's talk. Let's collaborate. Let's figure what needs to be doing. Let's figure a business case. Let's talk about the P&L. Let's talk about the ingredients. Let's talk about the toolkits. Let's find a way that we can collaborate and get this done because why on earth do I want to think about the negatives? You know, and you're not going to win every battle, that's for sure. But, you know, life is now, the modern words, I suppose, for it has become a conversion rate. And the more you try and the more you put in, and naturally you want to work that with quality and precision, but eventually something will drop. So you just got to keep going for it. That's totally my attitude. 
Well, clearly the journey that you've been on this sort of has opened your eyes to um, education, reading, learning, like you said at the very beginning. And I think we're very lucky that we've actually, that you've, that we have you as part of the Consalia team here, sort of helping us to navigate our way through uh, online, uh, developing the business, for, you know, forward, yeah, albeit in a very different sort of context to the Sony mobile one. But um, yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been a, you know, sort of a great to have you with us. But But not everyone sort of gets inspired by learning. And I think it's something that's been another thing that that, that has um, sort of gone into the psyche of Steve, this wanting to learn more and curious about, about learning. So perhaps you could talk about, about what prompted that or have you always been, you know, curious and a learner? No, exactly. I mean, not at all. As I said, you know, 2014, Steve was reading one one comic book a year. You know, 2014 onwards, Steve continues to read. You know, I'm I'm obviously now a reader. Um, you know, I've seen that you know work ethic and reading mentality within my parents. Uh, you know, and and how successful their careers have been off the back of that, and very humble backgrounds to very successful. You know, uh, people in their own right within their own industries. It, it's no surprising now that I'm feeling you know success is coming with knowledge and sharing of knowledge. That curiosity has for sure been stimulated by the masters. The ability to to learn and disperse learning for, for yourself and others, and again within the Consalia world, I find it so fascinating that you know I've gone from e-commerce platforms that are you know WordPress, Magento, Big Commerce, uh, and now into LMS platforms of LearnWorld and Moodle, which are different platforms, and ultimately looking how you plug in and commercialize commerce for that, whether that's doing that with Stripe or doing that with a, a merchant of record, and all the you know digital journey that comes from landing pages, product detail pages, checkout pages, putting all of that together, how that appeals to the consumer, it, you know, is great fun. You know, it, it's complicated, but it's, you know, it, again, it's no pain, no gain. So there's risk, there's reward. I love the mindset in Consala is always to take some risk to make things happen. I'm, I'm learning that quite quickly from for my peers in the office. Um, and as I said, the, the, then the opportunity to make something out of the e-learning to get the ingredients that, that we get, the quality uh, of work we have from um, what we deliver in the classroom and how I can work with that content and make it e-learning onto our LMS platforms is fantastic. Gives you a real insight into all the courses, how we can present that in front of students, think what the students might want in terms of presentation and how they see things. And, you know, when I'm lucky enough, I get the opportunity to go into the classroom and also give that facilitation. And that can be from uh, level six degrees to postgraduate level sevens to master's level sevens in terms of my delivery. Uh, and I really find it, again, you know, a lot of fun trying to figure what, what I want to deliver in that classroom, how I can hopefully deliver some golden nuggets that are relevant for some of those uh, uh, students, and likewise how they can give me some of their golden nuggets so we can you know, educate more in terms of their L&D journey. It's been super fun. 
Well, that's great, Steve. Well, I think that's been uh, fantastic to learn more about your project and and also the context. Uh, it was really good to revisit your story, actually, after a period of time and to, to relive it. And I can see it's as relevant today as it was then, actually, you know, the kind of learnings that you had. And, and um, yeah, thank you very much for taking part. Thank you, Phil, for putting me on, on the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to creating more stories with Consalia. And then one last question. When's, when's the deep prof going to start? <laughs> That, that caught you out, didn't it? No, because I'm, I'm still finishing my coaching badge, as you know, Phil. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but noted. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Ciao.